Welcome to another episode of Winner Winner, a Player Unknown's Battlegrounds podcast. I'm your host Kev, aka the One Heart, joined as always by my co-host Mike, aka MTB Trigger. What's up, everybody? So, season twelve is landing in PUBG, and the devs have given us their plans for the rest of 2021. One hint: it's all big. We start right away with a Miramar update that brings updated visuals, a new Miramar-only ATV and bike, and an armor-piercing sniper rifle that is low on ammo but high enough on damage to one-shot dirt bikes and kill players through the BRDM's glass. There's even a new racing mode and custom matches you should try out if you get the chance. The other big news comes with two, I repeat, two new 8x8 maps coming later this year. Codenamed Tiger and Kiki, these maps look insane from the landscape portraits the artists have shared. We're going to jump into talking about those new maps first, but there's more coming to PUBG in the near term before we see those. Some of those other new things include a weapon upgrade system that brings color changes to attachments, grips, and scopes, battle stack counters, accessories that change the weapon model entirely, and some really fun weapon inspect animations. There's also going to be a player death box skin that you can earn along the process of upgrading the weapon that look really cool and might even aid you in finding those boxes in a field after a hectic fight. These guns can even end up with custom kill feed icons, which all other players will see in the kill feed. All of that comes with a scrap system that we'll get into as well. In addition to all of that, we get lobby soccer, bot improvements, an updated Hall of Fame on Erangel for the Sonics, and emergency pickup changes and improvements that will hopefully stop us from hearing a million planes every match and requires you to pay attention if you don't want to waste it. Lastly, you'll find new skins for PCS4, a new streamer bundle, new animated nameplates and more wacky themed skins like old school diving suits, and a hilarious lobster suit that I'm sure you'll see all the time now. As always, UI and bug fixes are included in the 12.1 patch notes. If you want to find them and see what else we might have left out, uh, over the next hour or so. So that's a lot of content coming after what felt like the quietest time in PUBG's history. We were told in late 2020 that 2021 was going to be the year of the big maps. Looks like Dave Kerr and his team are here to deliver. So sit back and relax or pay complete attention to the road if you're one of our many listeners who listen while they drive for work. While Mike and I dive into this theory crafting for two new 8x8 maps, cover all things new Miramar, and talk about this brand new weapon upgrade system. This could be a long one. Mike, Tell everyone how you've been while I catch my breath. I'm just, I'm just laughing because we always plan these out to be like an hour and we just, ne- we just never do it. So we'll see where we land this time. But uh, yeah, man, I'm doing great. It's funny when you said that the, like the biggest drought in PUBG content, it feels like the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, it was like, is anything really going to change? I mean, we got the new bridges on Erangel which have been kind of a a pleasant surprise, which I was not expecting. And then we got the emergency pickup and things like that. (laughs) So the only thing that I was really expecting or hopeful for was a reduction of the emergency pickup mechanic. This patch has that, which we'll talk about. The two new maps that were teased at the end of last year, and then obviously the Miramar redo, which is just exciting, man. So yeah, overall, uh, I've been loving PUBG recently. And it's been a blast. And, uh, you know, I got to jump in briefly uh, with you actually into the new Miramar and we can talk some about that. But ultimately, I think uh, 
I'm just pumped for this. I think that this is an awesome roadmap. It's a great plan. But from what we've seen so far, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, there's some things I love. There's some things that I'm curious to see if they'll make changes on. But overall, what an exciting piece of news we got earlier this week, man. Yeah. And we really had no idea what Dave meant when he said it's the year of the big map. And there was some confusion around leaks and stuff too. You know, people saw a code name Tiger and kind of assumed that that was just going to be like a Miramar update. We had no idea that we were going to be getting a Miramar update plus two new maps. I didn't think anyone thought that that was going to be a thing. We thought maybe one new map plus a severe or like decent uh, Miramar update that would change. Change it enough that it's a little more friendly to players um, who don't play it all the time while still being good as it is now for competitive, I think. Anyone who watches Miramar competitive knows that it plays really, really well in that environment, even if uh, your average player might struggle a little more because they're not used to playing dips and uh, things like that. They don't know where to look on the map to hold when it's out in the open. Those pro players, they know exactly where to push to for insane coverage while being in what seems like a tiny little ditch. Well, and to your point, though, we also were in the middle of May and hadn't heard anything about map changes or new maps or anything. So the whole year of the big map was starting to be like, okay, was that just a hopeful statement? So I can't tell you how excited I was to read that not only was it a Miramar redo, but we actually are going to be expecting the officially announced new maps, which is just awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've definitely been playing more PUBG recently. I've been showing some uh, some of my friends like Wispy how to, how to actually play now since I haven't played since maybe 2017, you know, teaching them all the little keybinds and tips and tricks that, that we've learned over the years. And, you know, it's definitely tough for a new player to get back in. I'm seeing that, but people still pick it up pretty fast. I've also been playing with uh, with Robin a bunch and other people. So it's been great to kind of be playing more again and then see something this positive come in. Of course, we'll probably get into like how map selection is going to work with all of this, but it's still exciting to see the thing that we've most of us have wanted for a while when we talk about it, which is just more 8x8 maps, which feel like the true PUBG. Because there's definitely a difference between how your big maps play and how your small maps play. And one of the bigger things for me is always just like, without having to make vehicle rotations and having these super far circles that you can almost barely make it to, it doesn't have the same tension a lot of time. Yeah, I think that's been one of the most noticeable things, at least when playing, right? Because I've, over the past six months, I would say I've largely had the same schedule. I've been playing a lot of PUBG. And for me, that's, you know, two, four hour sessions a week, which I'm, I've been really, really enjoying. And the thing that has been happening recently is you see lobbies for the smaller maps like, you know, Sandhawk and even somewhat Vikendi right now is, you know, people were leaving them and trying to just get into Miramar and Erangel. So I don't know if the, the data uh, showed itself to, you know, PUBG or if this was just kind of the plan all along. But it seems like there's a pretty big movement towards wanting these more competitively minded maps, whether you're in the competitive rule set or you just appreciate the pacing of a bigger 8x8 map. So I think this is going to be, it's going to hit really well. I mean, the initial excitement and how the Miramar redo hit on the test realm already, I think, was uh, pretty positive, at least from what I saw with very few negative things being pointed out. And we'll probably get into some of that. But yeah, man, uh, totally agree. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here just wanting to get in and start talking about Miramar. But I know we have we've got other plans. We will we will get into that, though. Yeah, it is interesting to see that we had all this small map tinkering, which we were even told by Dave Curd and his team that that was so that they could try out new features 
And one of those features from Haven, which was being able to like jump off a building and, and deploy a, a little parachute for like a quick getaway, is actually on Miramar. It wasn't really like I didn't even really see it in the notes, but it's it's on Miramar now. And you can jump off of buildings and you know, I was sitting around both of us were sitting around watching Sea Dome last night after we got done playing ourselves. And he was really messing around with it. He was like trying to flip ATVs and jump off mid mid go. He ran flying off a cliff in a car and just jumped out and then hit his parachute. It looked like a Michael Bay kind of like scene, you know, <laughs> it looked really great. It looked really fun. And so that those are just like little things that they've been like trying to figure out. Um, also like the pillar guards on Haven was something they were messing with. So they've been trying new things, you know, maps that kind of rotate POIs like Paramo. That was the plan for the small maps. But I think just getting so many small maps in a row really started to make us feel like we were losing the direction of PUBG that most of us fell in love with, which was just this very big open, do what you want kind of thing uh, that you felt with the big maps. It's also interesting from that competitive standpoint, because North American PUBG especially, but PUBG as a whole is really kind of thriving and competitive in terms of how well PGIS went. People really got excited how well that was handled. I still think they did an amazing job pulling off a LAN in the middle of COVID as responsibly as they did and then making it really interesting and fun to watch. But also, NA has just gotten STK is now TSM. Uh, Zenith would drop their roster, but that roster immediately got picked up today by Dignitas. And there's actually been a bunch of other teams that are getting picked up by big orgs in NA again. I don't know if the scheduling was a little messed up or someone hit uh, post now instead of uh, you know scheduling the tweet, but PUBG kind of leaked some of the org announcements today. <laughs> Either way, I don't think an org signed these players because they want one clout-filled post about this. That These guys earned the ability to be represented by big orgs and be treated properly by big orgs because they work really hard. And so I'm really excited just to have like Space Station Gaming back, TSM, uh, Dignitas, yeah. and there's a couple more in there that are just you know back in the scene. And they didn't go to EU or anywhere else. They, they went to NA or they even left EU to come to NA. And that says nothing to the teams that were dropped, but like the teams that were picked up really feel like they've earned it. They've been working hard for it. So, Well, that, it, right. I think the TSM move, right? Because I think they dropped their EU team, which has a lot of names that people are uh, really familiar with, which was a surprising move. But then to see them pick up the team in North America, it, it's interesting, right? Because there's like a, there's a negative piece, but then there's a positive piece that TSM is not leaving PUBG. But then to see these new announcements and orcs picking up, did that surprise you at all to see some of the other big names pick up new teams? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at the team, look at Spicy Fish, for example, that took Uncivil, who was on STK, Shoot to Kill was, I mean, dominant for a while now while being completely orgless and, you know, supporting themselves. They worked so hard to get to PGIS. They've been dominant in everything they do in NA. A couple bad weeks, uh, the format of PGIS didn't really seem to favor them as much, but they're still a top team in the world and, and one that other teams like kind of really fear when they get on a roll. So for them to get picked up is great. And for Uncivil, you know, he he left STK in the middle of that tournament, but immediately joined and I'm trying to think of who else he went with. I feel like Roth, um, who was playing for Oath during PJS and everyone else on their team. That, sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting right now, but like that team is a bunch of just veterans of the NA PUBG scene. And for them to come together, they immediately were like in holding second place or third in the top four or whatever for qualifiers that just happened for PCS4. So that's like a, a really good team that just formed out of nowhere and is well worth the pickup because they're going to be consistent. They started off good, like really, they started off really strong and there's only right. up as they get more team chemistry. Oh yeah. And it's like some of those guys, 
you know, love to watch him. But I remember when Paramo first launched, I think it was Roth that I ran into. And <laughs> some of them, you just don't even know how good they are until you fight them. And it was when I think Paramo went to squads, actually. And I was just kind of, uh, I was running with a squad. And I think it was Roth that we ran into. And he absolutely annihilated our entire team. Just, just like demon mode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, were you, was it, were, was it you and I playing when he did that? I don't know. I, I've never had good interactions with uh, these pros. They're always just, oh, dude, it, like, obliterating just absolutely me, to be dismantled us. Like, it was insane. And so, like, and some of these guys are people I've played against a lot over the years, right? And then you realize that some of them, as they've dug into the competitive and, you know, some of these guys are putting in, you know, way beyond full time hours into getting better at this game and learning everything they can. And, you know, somebody that maybe you killed a year ago and and since then they've been grinding. I mean, just dismantled. That's the word I have to use. Yeah, like leaps and bounds better than us. Just fundamentally like their, you know, their composure on like when to like throw the flash, when to smoke behind them for cover, smoke their teammate early just because of this. like. That kind of thinking is stuff that like takes a while to drill in your head and you have to be like super conscious about it. You might not see them in pubs anymore, but it's because they're grinding Korean ranked and playing in scrims every night because they're tired of playing against us. They need to get better, you know? Right, <laughs> right. And then on the rare case that they come back to the, you know, regular public, that just, it's so, they it's play like, solo oh, squad and dismantle you and you're, you're <laughs> just like, yeah, this is, they're on a different level. Well, I think that's some of the beauty of, of queuing in though, right? And I think the benefit and the cool part about these 8x8 maps to bring us back is I think there's a real opportunity with the 8x8 maps to get people back who really were looking for that 8x8 experience. Um, And then, you know, we're going to talk about the revive system and stuff coming in that PUBG is going to test out. And I think what that's going to end up doing is bring a lot of people back. And I think a lot of people should check it out. I mean, I think the game is in fantastic shape right now. I've been enjoying it like crazy. It plays really well. There's no gunplay like PUBG. So I think this is setting up for what could be a really cool end to the year, maybe third quarter and fourth quarter of 2021. But one of the magical things about this game is you have no idea what the 100 player makeup is going to be, right? You could run into Roth. You could run into Tiggleton, right? I'll never forget the time that I ran into Tiggleton the first time. And he was driving by on Sandhawk before the drive-by meta in a buggy seat swapped and just destroyed me. And I was like, who is that guy? And then, of course, I saw it on PUBG report later and was like, oh, okay, (laughs) maybe I need to pay attention to this guy. (laughs) Yeah, guys like Tig and Hambino, like really, really show how busted (laughs) the drive-by is nowadays uh, because they were doing it incredibly before it was a thing. Like, I remember Tig was actually like the first person I saw doing it. Um, where he was just riding around on Erangel and solos, just drive buying everybody. He never slowed down on that buggy, and then he just switched to another car, and he just he got like twenty kills, and he was never on his feet for any of them. It felt like right, but yeah, these guys are just on a different level. So I'm not surprised at all that these these NA teams are finally getting recognized for how much effort they've been putting in. It seems like their scrims must be really productive because all the teams seem to be getting better in leaps and bounds. You know, it used to be like a meme where NA can't compete on the like international stage, but that's been completely squashed with, I think it was Oath got second place just from being super consistent in winnings, and then Sonic's got first place. And you can argue that teams like uh, Gen G and, and other you know teams like 4AM maybe were more consistent throughout the whole tournament, but for format-wise, they played really well, and, and all of these teams seem to be proving themselves. But yeah, I'm not surprised to see Spicy Fish getting picked up or the Zenith team, which had just gotten even stronger taking 
Gascan's Honey Badger and putting him on the roster along with Sparking, who is just another like straight up demon. Uh, that team's playing really well. And then I think Rumblers, who have been playing together for a long time, at least uh, Cherry and Lowe's have, and they've been they've been grinding and working hard. And then they got in through, they were owning the last chance qualifiers. So hopefully they keep that momentum going. But yeah, all of these teams that are getting picked up, the players absolutely deserve deserve it. And the NA scene hopefully kind of thrives because of it. Yeah, it's awesome to see. But I, I think we could probably go on a massive <laughs> competitive tangent, but we got three maps to talk about. So Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we dive in fully, um, I do want to say if you like the show and want to support the work that goes into it, there's several ways you can do it and most of them don't cost you a penny. So first, just tell your friends. Word of mouth goes a long way. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, you can leave us a nice uh, review if you know your preferred podcast app allows it. I know iTunes ratings really kind of are the best, but now that we're on YouTube in a more meaningful way, feel free to hit up the subscribe button and turn on notifications by ringing the bell. Uh, Finally, if you want to support us financially, you don't have to at all, but a link to our Patreon is in the description. Thank you for lending your ears while we plug these support options. Let's dive into Tiger now, which is the first 8x8 map that we're going to see that's going to be new. Yeah, absolutely. This one, uh, man, it's amazing what a simple picture can do. (laughs) <laughs> with 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 uh two numbers attached to it eight by eight and the picture <laughs> when i first saw this man it was like okay this is gonna be the first one we see it's got you know so they they described it as i think i think this might be your words actually this is my uh, words below <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is, this is how i described it that's for sure <laughs> Well, it's funny, though, because I read that and I was like, ooh, I kind of like that, right? Because, I mean, you were saying it looks like a very strong, like, Erangel and Korea vibes. And first thing that I noticed about it was, you know, you kind of have the tightly knit towns in this picture. But then you kind of have some forested areas and then some of that rolling plains, which is, it really does scream, like, Erangel-esque. And I, I really think that's what the game is dying for now, is another 8x8 that's iconic. I think Miramar is pretty well loved to your point, like of people who've been around the game a long time and have some interest in the competitive scene. It's hard to traverse and you, you, you have to be so good at rotating and rotating early to like take advantage of terrain sometimes. Right, right. So and I think it, it really focuses on the long range battles, which if you like long range gunfights, Miramar is the play. Yeah, but I think that. It, exactly right. Loot's always the issue there. When I find a scope, I don't think about it. But when I don't find a scope, I complain about it for ten minutes. So I died because I have a two X. <laughs> right, but so Tiger to me, with just the little view that we have, I, I just feel like it could be that potentially that iconic map that the game needs. It needs another Erangel at this point. One that's like, oh sweet, I got Erangel or Tiger. And I just think that the just the landscape and what we see on here, and it looks like some really unique, cool buildings as well. So, I, again, the, the picture has <laughs> the picture's worth way more than a thousand words. We're going to do may, way more than that. I'm pumped for this because it seems like it has all of the attributes that Erangel has just in one picture. And I think it I'm really, really hopeful that it that it checks all those boxes in a different style. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this picture, you see the the tight buildings definitely look like some Sandhawk style stuff, which really does point to the fact that it's going to be somewhere in Asia. And I feel like it's about time we see a Korea map with PUBG, you know, studios and everything, craft and being in Korea. I feel like we need to have a good Korea map, if not now, at some point, right? 
The Erangel vibes, though, from the terrain is definitely there with just beautiful, colorful trees. You know, I'm seeing pinks and oranges and and like weeping willows, it looks like. All different kinds of trees that are just going to look great in-game. Hopefully we see some really cool like different farmland kind of stuff. And again, if they have, if they can do like the rolling hills, Erangel itself has some of these like iconic dips where people know to play if they've been around for a long time. And, you know, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but there's like outdoor locations that have no buildings nearby that people know. I mean, there's Potato Hill would be one, which isn't a dip, but it's a spot that's pretty defensible when you're up there. And there's a couple others that I can't quite think of that are like kind of around fields. And, you know, if you can like car crash there, you can hold it. If we can get more stuff like that, where you might not have a place to play that you can see on the map and just mark like, oh, here building I go, <laughs> you know, right. That's that stuff is so important. And the fact that you can drive through all those places and then still hold them as well is what makes Put or Erangel like so much more forgiving than Miramar. Something that I feel like you don't find as easily on maps like uh, Bikendi, where you're still driving around looking for a spot to hold. You pointed out the colors, and you're talking about the hills and the spots to hold it, and and that's the thing that I feel on Erangel that I don't necessarily feel on the other maps, especially on like Paramo, which I love Paramo. But there's a bunch of spots where you just don't feel like you have playable terrain. And some of that's because of the grass on the sides of the hills and how peaking is very different on that map. But what's so powerful about Erangel is even if you're caught a little bit out of position, to your point, there's kind of some like notable spots that you can play. But even if you're caught in a weird spot, you can usually find something, whether it's a tree, a rock, or some kind of nook that's just kind of in the terrain. It's pretty rare to be completely out and exposed, unless it's an area that's like, you know, just west of school that is notably quite flat until you get to those uh, bigger hills on the northwest side of it. Yeah, there's definitely spots on Nerengal when you watch competitive and you're like, oh, this is a bad circle. Like, no one, no one really wins here. <laughs> yeah, I'm hopeful for that terrain. We, I mean, we can kind of see the structure of it and it does feel flatter like Erangel does compared to Miramar. But I think what I'm really excited for in this is just the number of buildings that they're showing off in the picture, right? You have those longer greenhouse looking buildings. You got some kind of fortress, a warehouse a couple different types of town buildings, and they look like they'll be really interesting to play on top of or from. I mean, that big, is it a factory or a mansion type building? I think the whole center of the thing, I think, is going to be the new school. I think that's the yard that you play in, and I think that those are just like the different schoolhouses, and one the, the one might be a gym. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think we're getting a new school at that picture. To me, it reminds me of like a fairground, <laughs> you know, like a massive dirt arena. Uh, where stuff can pull into and then you've got kind of like the showroom like that's what it looks like to me i mean i I agree with you from uh how it might play and the surrounding compounds and stuff i think this will be a hot drop right and there's the there's the crate right in the middle but to me it reminds me of like there's a fairground in colorado that i think of when i see this where massive dirt arena to the side looks like there's a huge barn type building which might be the stable and then you have this huge building that would house all of the vendors and stuff. And then there's, you know, there's side buildings. But this is this is more uh, akin to a town than it would be to that. But that's kind of the vibe I get from it. I don't know, man. It just, it looks like it's going to be a really cool area. You know, there's some cool buildings on Vikendi that remind me of these, I would call that a greenhouse in the upper left of this picture. They're long, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like four buildings side by side. 
And Vikendi kind of has some of those buildings like that, those open green roofed buildings that are often placed really close together. And there's usually two parallel and then one perpendicular. And the roofs of those buildings are really interesting to play because you can play the roof and then the top is kind of hard to get over. And so I look at that area saying, ooh, the vertical play field on some of these buildings is going to be a little different than what we've had on other maps. But they're also, yeah, there's some spots that are really tight. But imagine if you get caught out in the middle of that yard on this area of Tiger. You know, this is not the place to be. There's vertical cover all the way around this thing. But it makes you wonder if the middle of it is going to have some kind of event tied to it because of that crate that they showed in the picture right in the middle. I mean, that could easily just be like a stylistic thing. I do I do know that I don't want to have to go for that crate late game with how many windows are staring at it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's definitely going to be a big POI if this is actually what a certain area is going to look like. I don't know if this is just like kind of a pastiche of all of the different like kind of vibe like areas we're going to get. You know what I mean? I don't, right. I don't know if that's true. If If this is one area... There's a lot of places people can land a loot and then all converge on this big place to see who's still around, you know? Yeah. Because if you're looking at these greenhouses, there's within that like plot of land, there's like a little mansion sized building. There's a couple, there's a building like right behind the little schoolhouse at like area in the middle. There are houses just past the greenhouse, like several, you know? And so there looks, there looks to be a lot of buildings in here. You know, I just had to hit like enhance and get it to like 200% on my <laughs> Google Doc to kind of really see this. But the more I do, the more I'm seeing like, oh, there's a lot more stuff along with like you go right past it. And there's some like pretty wooded looking areas that are going to be maybe even just like thick and hard to drive through. And so maybe there will be some like choke points by just the virtue of, of tight trees. You know what that big building looks like? It looks like one of the hospital sides. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. That's what I'm saying. Like we, we I think it's going to play like one of those where you have roof access, you have the different buildings that join, you might even jump to and from and uh yeah, it looks like it's going to be pretty. That's going to be a hectic drop, I think. I agree. <laughs> Again, we don't know if this is just an artist rendition of everything that's going on, but I would anticipate that this is based on the actual map or it might be the area, but it's like you, there's the river flowing on the top of the picture and you see the trees and the heavily wooded areas right around the river. And that could be a very interesting way to handle the river because on the other maps, there's not a whole lot of cover on the riverbanks. And this actually reminds me, you know, having moved from Colorado to the Midwest, this, I mean, it looks like a Midwest stream to me where heavily wooded, heavily forested right up to the river and, and super thick there. And so it's just a fascinating picture here. I mean, I'm pumped for this map, man. And eight by eight matters, but I think uh, stylistically, this is a really, really cool concept that we're going to get to hopefully try out in the near future. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I feel like we don't see this until maybe August or something like that. I feel like it's going to take a little while before it's actually ready, um, yeah. which is nice. We have Miramar in the meantime to, to get some love. One thing that I'm really you know interested in is, is not only just large POIs that are fun to fight in, but I want some new like medium-sized drop points that are perfect for duos, kind of like Gaka or Mansion. I mean, Gekka has some of the most legendary starts from YouTube videos you've seen your favorite creators doing to just any of us who go there and have to fight those places where you don't actually, your point in landing there isn't usually to get like a lot of loot. It's just like a quick and easy to like understand if it's cleared or not kind of POI, but like four or five teams will go there. So it's ridiculous, but really fun for a duos kind of thing. And those small, medium-sized 
places that are so iconic. I mean, people always joke Gacko wins games, things like that. Like going to those locations feels like a good rotation point and starting point for pubs that that are just really fun. And I don't know of many small places like that on other maps that are as like iconic as Gacka and Mansion are to me. The only other one that comes to mind for a great duo drop that's not necessarily a great squad drop is Power Grid on okay. Miramar. Yeah, yeah, that's and for sure. Those, I agree with you. I think those are, you know, like uh, Prison, uh, Power Grid, Mansion, Gatka. I, I really hope that there's a continued focus on medium-sized towns because from the, you know, duos is about the only thing I play anymore, right? Coming from a solo, basically a solo only player to now basically a duos only player. And I still play solo from time to time. And I also play squads a bit, but mostly duos is I really look forward to new hot drops to test out. But for those games where you want kind of a, you know, fight two or three other teams and then carry on, I really, uh, yeah, looking forward to the medium drops as well. Yeah, so there's just so much to look forward to, but it really comes down to wanting to have good terrain, good POIs that are both like medium and small. I want it to be one of those just newly iconic maps. Like who knows if they can strike lightning twice in the way they did with Erangel, but I think the changes to maps that we've been seeing recently, especially with like Miramar, shows that if they release a location and then it's not quite perfect, they are kind of understanding how to make adjustments without like overtuning and stuff like that, which we'll get into with the Miramar stuff. But I feel like they're really starting to figure out like how they can make changes that help kind of balance or, or provide new power kind of struggles. Like the Erangel Bridge is, is an example of that, where before it was like you couldn't really approach that on foot if someone's already holding it. Well, now you can. You can do it from like two different sides. And, and there's a lot more interplay between that. It's very interesting. I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. And I think we can dig back into that when we get to Miramar. But one of the things from the Miramar redo is that I'm noticing just in the first, like less than a dozen attempts on it is the minor changes to some popular areas that I think, to your point, are focused around balancing those areas slightly, like putting up some boarded windows, adding a little extra cover and things like that. And I, it makes me wonder what's driving those decisions. Like, is there a high number of people who die without gear? And that's why they're putting a little more cover there, even though there's a lot of people that drop there, which could be the result of too many people dropping there. Like if a popular streamer's going there and uh, we know no one actually stream snipes, right? But um, no, I, no, I, no, no. I love seeing those little tweaks to the gameplay because you know, maybe your favorite window or your favorite building got changed because the way you peaked or the way you played it is now a little different. But I like those balance changes and I'm hopeful to see some, whether it's new tests or some completely new dynamics on this map and on Kiki, which we'll talk about. But I, I look forward to that because just the small tweaks on Miramar, I already really, I haven't found one that I don't like. So this is, uh, this is cool, man. I'm really, really excited for this map. Speaking of small features and small tests, there's also a pretty big one uh, that's coming new to PUBG in this map as well. Want to tell us about the... Oh, I was going to let you. No, you <laughs> so uh, why, don't, why don't you, uh, you know, we teased in the beginning. Why don't you let everybody know what uh, what PUBG is finally going to try? I don't think I teased it. Oh, well, I teased so, it just now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one thing we haven't mentioned yet on this episode, Tiger is going to be a very experimental map for PUBG. Uh, this first experiment is actually going to be uh, a respawn system 
We don't have details now about how it might work, but they did mention that since respawning has become more and more mainstream and expected within Battle Royales, uh, they want to try it out and do it in a limited fashion on this map. Uh, it's also why we just tried it out in some capacity with the uh, quick little labs event mode where you could spawn back in within one minute after being fully killed, as long as one member of your team was still alive. I didn't really love how many things were in that playtest because you had respawning, you had picking spawn kits, and you had 500% damage, so everything was pretty much a one-shot. Uh, so you could land with like a DBS that could just one-shot you from way too far. You could end up with an arm or I forget what the other guns like were, but Either way, everything, you had a deagle that you could shoot from 200 meters and one-shot somebody, um, and nobody had armor on. I didn't really feel like I got to see how it would work in any real format. It was also only on Paramo. But yeah, you just, just jump back in with a kit. There's a lot to be unknown, but you jump back in with a kit and just parachute down wherever you want. Uh, there's no power struggle to get it. There's no nothing you have to do as a player who's still alive other than just kind of like wait it out and not die. And then your team can come back in and then you can die immediately at that point. And your team can just probably float in the sky for 30 seconds of the minute. You know, I didn't really feel like I learned much. And if that's the way it's going to be, it's way too free to come back. And I don't think that's the way that a respawn should work. But before Trigger and I really get into what we want out of a respawn system, uh, we do want to share some of what we heard from some of you on Twitter and Discord. We put out a tweet on uh, on the Winner Winner account this week, um, just the other day, as soon as we kind of heard, asking, you know, what would you want from a respawn system? What are your thoughts? And then I also just asked some of my buddies on Discord and, and got their stuff. So, uh, Trigger, why don't you read the first one that we have here, and then we'll kind of just go back and forth here. Yeah, so we heard from Ritual. Uh, he said, I didn't want a res I don't want a respawn system. I enjoy PUBG because it's hard and unforgiving. This just cheapens kills and leads towards the gimmicky direction that the game has been heading for some time. And that's totally fair. A lot of people will have that uh, kind of thought. I know there have always just been things that you just can't imagine being in your game without it cheapening the experience. I remember when respawns, uh, or sorry, reviving first came in and Nox came into PUBG. H1Z1 players hated it, and now every game has it. You can't imagine it. And Trigger and I talked about this on one of our you know other recent episodes about what we would think would come from from a respawn system. And I guarantee you, when we talk about it today, we're going to forget most of the points that we'd made at the time <laughs> and just make up new ones. So here you go. There was a uh, decent exchange here between myself, It's No Good, and Gifty. So No Good started this off uh, with saying, I think Apex's model could work. Get the player's banner or dog tag or whatever, some risk involved. Go to a fixed respawn location, high risk. Or use uh, or obtain a mobile respawn, which would be like a flare or the balloon that we have for redeploy, which is also high risk and takes time. And then the respawn player comes in with zero loot near the respawn, again, posing more risk. I just responded saying, that's been my guiding light. Apex learned a ton from PUBG. Why not see the roles reversed? And then Gifty chimes in saying, I was explaining this as well, that respawning isn't that easy in Apex. You have to clear the area, get to a set location, sometimes near the blue or in the blue. Teammate has zero equipment upon respawning, so getting fully looted is a challenge when mid-game. You know, there's all these different things that make that kind of hard. And so no good just responds back that respawn isn't this magic wand that allows the game to go on without consequence. It's not easy to get respawn mid game and still do well. 
um, and especially harder later on when there's not much loot left, the circle's small, and everyone sees you coming. In response to that, I play Apex. I said I play Apex all the time, and having a teammate full die is still a team's death sentence 9 out of 10 times. There's an animation to loot the tag that stops you from shooting and looting uh, your teammates. Uh, the tag runs out pretty fast. If you die and your teammate can't get around to you, you only have about a minute and a half. So you can try and get away and hope that they leave, but they can easily just kind of hold the area and wait, and then you won't be able to get brought back. Um, and then if you want to go in all crazy and try and get it and then run away, nine times out of 10, that player that's going for your banner dies as well. So respawn in the end equals just a dinner bell. And then so no good then goes and says, let's look at Warzone mechanics. The gulag is just a free one. And then your buybacks are pretty easy. It's like 4k cash. You get back quickly and there's cash everywhere. And then you get self revives while you're downed that are more common than gold knockdown shields and apex and super fast and kind of hard to combat. He said, to me, this is respawn done wrong, and I wouldn't want that in PUBG. And I said, yeah, gold revive shield is something that also rarely ever works because it's an obvious mechanic by animation, sound, and not having like the full clear. Past that, you have to broadcast your red shield gold color if you want to not die instantly by actually using the gold shield. So no good just says all of that is to say that respawn isn't some cure-all that completely takes the sting out of an enemy dying or a teammate dying, but it has to be done correctly. And then the last one here, sorry, this is a really long thread that we were all kind of just like spitballing, <laughs> but Gifty responds that also the respawn ship is super loud. So if a team is nearby, you typically go and you just check it out because it's a free kill on the, the naked. And then uh, people are coming off the ship, you know, they're not loaded at all. And you're, the rest of your team is usually nearby. You don't usually just hit the button and then run far away. You might, but usually they're like, oh, no, now we have to save our teammate. And you lose just two players, at least, if not all three. So respawning is a process and not a given in apex whereas it's given multiple times in Warzone. so there's two trains of thought and i think all of us in this one are on the apex you know train of thought where it definitely has to be audible hard to do uh and a risk at all times to get someone back yeah i, th I think that that whole conversation is a good one to put out there because naturally the two games that i think PUBG will largely get compared to with the revive system is apex and warzone and i think that you know the first comment that i read was you know PUBG is hard and that's why people like it and i think that from people that have played PUBG for a long time i think this is a pretty common uh sentiment and i i was probably mostly in this camp and the thing that i find most interesting is as time has gone on and you know north america uh, had some player base problems and then recently we got the bots taken away from the minimum amount required in a server and it it really made the game feel great and populated again i i look at those issues as being kind of related you know when somebody comes and tries the game out again or tries it out for the first time, like you mentioned earlier in the episode that you've brought some people back or in, this game is really hard to get into. And when you have no way to come back into a match, some of which can last, you know, 30 to 40 minutes, depending how far your team goes, it's brutal sitting there for half an hour. And there is largely a significant number of people, and there's still a lot of people that play the game, even in North America where, you know, ask someone, they'll say it's dead, but the matches populate and they launch a lot. But there's a lot of people that get frustrated by that, even in the veteran community, where it's like, oh my gosh, I got flushed right out of the gate. Now I have to sit here and wait. Or there's this pressure on the team to reset. 
And then that's lowering or removing challenge from the people that are still in the game. So I see the opportunity for adding a system to keep players engaged in a map, make teams happier because now they've got an objective to work for. And you don't want to be the person that your teammate has to go res all the time. So there's also motivation to not be dying all the time. But if you do get, you know, killed, it's going to be an opportunity for PUBG to really test this out and see if it is important to Battle Royale. Because my own personal feelings are the Apex system feels really good in Apex. The speed of the game, the challenge of actually completing a resurrection and then that person having to reload up is a long process and it works really well in that game because it doesn't feel broken and it feels really good when you successfully get it accomplished is what I would say. The Warzone one for me personally was basically the reason I stopped playing Warzone. It was too easy. It was the meta. And personally, I don't think Warzone's a battle royale. I just think it's a giant respawn deathmatch, mm-hmm. you know? And then if you happen to make it to the end, it's kind of like a BR. You can kill the same player like three times in a row in one game. Yeah, so it just, it cheapens the kill. And that's what, that's something I don't want to lose in PUBG. But I do think there is an opportunity in between the challenge of the Apex res and the availability of the Warzone res that could strike a really good nerve in a game that's never had that opportunity, which PUBG is. You know, so if you add that in with the amazing gunplay, I, I guess we're going to find out, right? What, when it comes out, it's either going to be a hit and a success, or no one's going to want to play the map because of it. And so the fact that PUBG's willing to go into it, it makes me wonder if they have a contingency plan that if everyone <laughs> hates the, the resurrection, that if they can just turn it off. But I'm hopeful that that's the same lens that they're looking through. But I guess what I would encourage any veteran player or someone who's been around the game for a long time, take a real honest look at what what would it take for someone to get interested in PUBG today and to actually get into the game where they spend 100, 200, or 300 hours on the game? Because as it sits right now, I'm not sure how approachable PUBG is And I think that's why some of the other games got really popular really quick is because, you know, you can bring your buddy along and if they die, you're like, hey, no, no, don't worry. We're going to get you back. We're going to carry you and take you back to get some more loot. And that just doesn't exist in PUBG. And, And that hardcore nature of it will keep players away and returning players too. Right? Someone played the game in 2017. They may not want to deal with that after being away for so long. They don't remember, they don't remember so what long. it's like. Yeah, they've been yeah. spoiled by other games that are that are keeping them engaged for a longer period of time. Because there's already downtime as it is with PUBG. You know, wait for the lobby to pop. Wait for the lobby to fill. And, you know, they're doing little things to try and aid that. And they've been trying to work on that for a while. But with a game where you need as many people as we do for one game to happen, you know, there's bound to be some downtime. And the other thing that, that revives are good for in those other games is that it keeps the rest of the team in the fight because now they're fighting to not only, you know, survive and make it to the next zone and do all these things, but they're trying to also figure out how to get you back in that process. Right. I don't know how many times, you know, hundreds at this point where uh, one of us dies in PUBG, you know, early in the game and we either go full blown reckless driving around, driving into teams to die so that this person doesn't have to wait, especially if they've already died and waited for 20 minutes like the game before or it's been happening over and over. Nothing kind of takes the wind out of your sails more than having to consistently reset. So you're either YOLOing into a team and not caring about what happens, or you just throw a grenade on the ground 
blow the whole team up and you start over because you just want to play with your friends with all of them there. And so now the game just got easier for everybody. Now you just have this mid game that's not existed because two, three squads decided that they were just going to exit the game and start over because they already didn't like the map they were on. They already lost their buddy and they're going to just restart giving people who are still there a reason to kind of bring their friend back and make the game interesting. It adds to the narrative of, of a win if you win that way. And it, it keeps more people in the match uh, as opposed to having people give up on the match because they've already lost their duo or their one of their squad members. So Right. I, I hope people look at it that way, especially when it's just a one map test to start. And I, I'm curious to see how they do it because, I mean, look, we've got more of these more of these comments and they're they're all over the board right liam said it should require a, a squad member alive should have some risk like looting a tag and going to a location for example labic leet 1337 said respawns only in the first couple circles and see how that plays out after the midpoint in a game that's it warzone's gulag is closed for a lack of a better comparison right so it's <laughs> so everyone's talking about the systems that are out there, what they like about them, and then that there's not really another good comparison because there's really only a couple options out there. And the Apex and Warzone systems couldn't be further apart. I mean, it's kind of crazy from a difficulty standpoint. One is challenging and the other just isn't. Yeah. And so these are going to be some stuff from some friends of mine. Uh, They're all on Xbox and I've known them for a very long time and they play way more than me. They play together. These guys are kind of insane too when they play as a squad you know they'll play 12 games and win 10 of them and all high kill games and stuff so these guys really do still love playing PUBG every single night my buddy Matty Von Doom he said he's excited for everything he's seen except the respawns he doesn't mind the way Apex does it with time limit to get the down body and the respawn locations being used up uh, at least that lowers the amount per game but then, you know, my buddy Graybush followed up with saying, yeah, respawns sound good for games like COD, not in PUBG. I definitely welcome some new shit, but I hope it's not too broken. Just some apprehension there from these guys. You know, my buddy Mantis, a.k.a. Billy Buttcheeks. What's up, Billy? Uh, respawns says, uh, respawns could be an interesting map-specific feature. But I don't see why they would look to implement it across all maps now. They could just do away with the increasing knock timer like people have been asking for. Your first knock takes a while, but your third and fourth knock just chunks. You know, there's the one, I think it's fourth knock, where your body's just like grunting and like screaming almost every time you get hit for like 10 damage per second, only because you've died a few times early in the game. It doesn't really make sense. If anything, that shows how much you've tried to overcome. So, you know, he says the permanence of dying in this game is one of the attractive features for me, and he would hate to see the gameplay get watered down even further by people who will weasel out of fights to get their teammates back. So it's going to change that dynamic of fights and final circles, which is not always a bad thing when your job as a developer is to combat meta that your players establish. But he's unsure why they would continue to push features that cause players to run away from fights. He said you should be punished for not fighting and rewarded for winning. And then he said Kiki, I'm sure, will bring some of the PvE elements that were tested with Haven, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, He just said he's going to reserve his judgment until he plays it, but he's not holding his breath for any one feature. And let's keep an eye on, or keep in mind that idea of Kiki and the PVE elements that we had with Haven. That's definitely something for us to talk about. Yeah. And then last comment from other people, um, my buddy Bedford Boy, uh, he said, basically everything that Billy said he's in agreement with, respawns are nice, but he feels it would just kind of make it like every other BR that has lower stakes. So it's interesting. I just wonder if this is kind of the same H1Z1 apprehension. And then once it gets implemented, it'll be fine as long as it's done right. And I think that's what most people are going to be worried about. Is it going to be done right? 
ultimately that's what everyone's looking at because we can look at the systems other games use we can talk about something in between you know and and we could even call revives like maybe it's not a revive system but what if you get knocked and you have like a 10 second invincibility shield that way you know you can't get flushed right away which would allow for it, it basically not a revive system but an extended knock system where there's some invulnerability which means you could come back after the fight finishes right there's different ways they could implement these things that aren't what we've seen in other games as well. And so we saw one take in a in a labs event, but there's there's so many ideas out there. And I, I, I think that's it. I think there is an apprehension. I mean, everyone who's still talking or listening or playing PUBG today fell in love with something that is largely still in there in the game. I guess I, I don't actually think that Revive is going to change the core of PUBG. At least I hope it doesn't. Because I think the focus needs to be on the gunplay and the fights, winning matches and winning fights. And I think that if there is an opportunity to revive in some meaningful, challenging way, that could put more emphasis on fighting. It could encourage more fighting, which also could be a really good thing, right? If you're not like, well, if I push these guys, I'm out till the next match. If it changes to, well, if I push these guys... I might have to wait till my team revives me, right? It could allow for playmaking. It could be like, okay, well, if I go in and sacrifice and get two of them, you guys are going to have a 3v2 and then you got to get me back. That's an interesting decision for a single player, but also on a team, but also for the team on how they want to approach it. And it could allow for more aggressive plays, but it can also help a more passive play style as well. Because, you know, you lose someone, okay, we need to disengage and go get him back before we engage again. I think it can work for all play styles and everything in between the two that we have there. So I actually like to see the honest apprehension for people that are playing the game all the time. Because if that didn't exist, if people weren't concerned with major changes to the game or tests to the game, well, we'd be in dead zone. But that's not where people are with PUBG, right? It's kind of like, well, I don't know if they're going to do it right, but I think they're going to, I'm hopeful. So I think that's a really good cross section of, you know, all of the different feedback we got where we got we had some that are like, yeah, do it. Here's how I want it or don't do it at all. Or, yeah, here's all of my criteria that I that I wanted to meet. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sitting here and I, I can't get off of the idea of like the invulnerability upon knock, which I can't say I like simply because it, it doesn't reward sniping anymore at all. You know, if you get someone at distance. They can kind of usually get back in cover if it's, you know, a, a peaking kind of over hills battle. So I feel like you'll almost never be able to catch someone far away, knock them and then finish them real quick, which is annoying. It's like you always have to close the gap and then you have to worry about close quarter stuff. That would be one thing that would feel like uh, they spoiled a little something for me, even though it sucks to be the one who gets knocked at range and then instantly gets flushed. You understand why it happened. You were out in the open. You got caught. That is like a punishable thing. I'd rather them be able to come back and grab your tag your dog tag, whatever it may be, and and then come get you back later if they can. Yeah, that was just something that, you know, came to mind. But also another thing, though, if you just have respawns in general that are pretty easy to get, you always think of that, like, thing where you're pushing with your team. Maybe it's a duo or three people are pushing the last guy on the squad. And the first guy who goes around gets knocked and instantly flushed when he hears two sets of footsteps at least coming. And that feels so annoying and no one really likes it. Because the one player already knows they're going back to the lobby, but they decide to bring someone with them, right, and full kill them. Yep. And if there's a respawn and you just know that this team's going to mop you up 
and and respawn their teammate whether you kill him full or not it takes the wind out you you don't have the ability to take the wind out of their sails as much anymore and you also probably have an ability now to save the game for your team or just let the better team leave you're going to maybe actually try and take the 2v1 instead of winning your 1v1 and then never letting go of the trigger and just full killing them and then dying half a second later which just happens all the time and that's one of those things where you full die you can't come back and it's all because someone had to you know inflict a little pain back on you even though it doesn't help them in the slightest right yeah if there's no if there's less incentive to do it because people can easily just get the teammate back you know that is going to be something that might actually change for the better because the flushing is something that just is very annoying especially when you're not used to it Exactly. And I think that's where the like that revive change or the the shield change could be really good. But yeah, it's like what I don't want is a system that can be abused, right? To me, the revive system in Warzone, it just is abused all the time and it's too easy. And then in in Apex, you know, you get to a point where you just don't feel like you can actually get rezzed Mm -hmm. (laughs) without really hurting the team. So I really, really do see the challenge that PUBG is faced with on this, and I respect it. And I also respect the fact that they're leaning in, and they're not going all in, like saying, hey, here's a new revive system on all the maps that you know and love for the last four years. Your entire gameplay has just changed forever. Correct. They're saying, hey, let's try it out. Let's put it on a map. Let's see how it goes. And I really applaud them for that approach, because if someone really doesn't like the revive system, they can back out of the map. It's just not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. You, you got to wait for another queue. But I, I don't know, man. I don't think that's going to be the case. A lot of other games have tried big changes, big updates, massive changes. You know, like, you know, Fortnite went through the the building changes and they, they added all of the crazy different things that you could do in the game to the point where the whole game was just a giant meme, right? And then, and then COD, they went all in on the revive system and it becomes defined by that. And the thing that I've always loved and appreciated about PUBG is slow, steady, uh, slow is a hard word. I, that sounds really critical, but uh, consistent updates. And if you look at where the game was four years ago and where it is now, it runs better. It runs smooth. The graphical update on Miramar looks really good. And so all of these small little steps to where we are today versus massive swings. And that's what the approach on the revive system says to me again, is that they're taking steps in a direction of seeing if this is the way they want the game to go. And I, I actually really appreciate that because I think it, it might be the way to go, but it might not. And they're allowing for either, and I'm hoping that the feedback is listened to. And the fact that we're getting 8x8 maps and a revamp of Miramar suggests that they're uh, they're heavily into feedback right now, which I think is a very good thing. Yeah, it felt like we weren't being listened to because there was so much radio silence. But Dave, uh, Dave Kerr did say in a tweet recently, you know, uh, that he kind of just popped his head back up from water because he's like, when I'm, when my team and I are making these new maps and working hard, that's what we're doing. We're working hard and we're not paying as much attention. We don't want to have criticism kind of creep in. Um, I might have just added that last little part, but I, I would assume that's kind of what he's thinking is like, I don't want to see people telling me what they, what needs to be here and like influencing, like, we're going to do this kind of internally. And we're also just going to work really hard on, on what we're doing. But he did pop out and say, like, I have a lot more to tell you. You know, that dev letter is only part one of the dev plan that talks about the maps that are coming, but there's going to be gameplay changes and stuff. So maybe we'll maybe we'll hear that Nox one through four are going to be the exact same on bleed out time. But maybe you get knocked a fifth time. You should just be dead, dead or something. <laughs> you know, like, right. Who knows? Right. But, you know, I and mean, maybe we'll finally hear that we're going to get action queuing, please. 
please give me action queuing. You know, that's just more stuff that's going to be coming from gameplay and map wise stuff. That's been his team. So, you know, you feel like it's just been radio silent and not listening. But instead, it's like, it's not that we're not listening. We're just working. And that's all we're doing. Yeah. It's just super nice to finally hear what is, you know, on the horizon here. As it comes to respawns, before we kind of move on, I think whatever happens needs to be observable and audible as like a world event. People can counter. You know, you should be able to probably hear and tell that it's coming from like a mile away, which would be like, a you know, let's just call it a kilometer here, uh, one square away from it in all directions. You should be able to hear and see this coming in. And again, it should take a while. There should be some risk in just getting the tag itself. You know, how many times in Apex have I seen me or my teammate go for the hero play to get the banner? They get the banner, they start running away, and then the teammate who just grabbed the banner dies. So now you go and you respawn the dude who died first, <laughs> but the other guy, his his banner's being camped now, and he is not coming back. And so he just did right. a hero play and paid the price for it, but his teammate's back, so, you know, see what we can do. So it should be risk to get it, risk to pull it off, and it shouldn't be possible in the late game. It shouldn't be possible to do way out of zone in, like, the safety of the blue. One thought for the actual uh, respawn event is a plane that takes you back to your team's position where you called it in, and you don't have a choice on when you drop. You just kind of drop with nothing in your inventory right over where it was called in, and maybe your parachute opens like immediately, making it like time-consuming and dangerous to land. So if a team did hear a different kind of plane, please make it a different plane model, different plane sound that you can hear and be like, oh, that's a respawn plane. Like That's a respawn helicopter or whatever, a minicopter or something that kind of just drops you out of this like plane, and you take some time falling where someone can just sit there and try and shoot you with a parachute. We all know it's not that easy to shoot someone in a parachute anyway, but your team is now waiting for you to land. And they maybe have like a kit on the ground that they kind of just threw someone threw their gun away or found one and put it somewhere for you. <laughs> but you have to get to the ground and your whole team has to kind of defend while other teams might be crashing your location and trying to deny you moving on in the game as a team. So uh, that's just one thought, but like, yeah, time consuming counterable and easy for players within a certain distance to kind of see and hear what's happening is what's going to be important for me in a respawn system. Yeah, I I don't even know what I want in a respawn system because I haven't played enough of a game where it exists, right? I played some Apex, I played some COD. I always like to check out the new stuff that they do, but I don't spend a lot of hours in those games. Like, I mean, I have maybe 100 hours in Apex and Warzone, I probably have like 30. And so like, I'll jump in and check out the new stuff, but that's about all I do. So like, I don't have a ton of meaningful experience in other games to be like, this is the one I don't want. This is not what I want. I, I, I kind of agree with some of the threads. Like I want it to be challenging to do. I want it to be meaningful when you accomplish it. But I also think it needs to be balanced for playstyle, right? Because I've seen some stuff where it's like, well, if you get four kills, or you collect four dog tags or something off of an enemy, then you should be able to revive. And it's like, well, that sounds really good if you do high kill games. Or, if, you know, if your team is really good at, you know, getting kills. But that's not how everybody plays the game. It's definitely not right? accessible in any... It's not accessible. It's not accessible then, to the passive player right. who, you know, needs to go, go away from the battle. I, I would argue that it's also inaccessible to the new person who may be really skilled at FPS games. Because if you think back to when you started this game, even if you were really good at other FPS, PUBG chews you up and spits you out. Because a strategic player who maybe doesn't necessarily like to engage in fights, but will take a fight if he has to, will destroy 
an inexperienced aggressive player like absolutely dominate them mm-hmm. and and that's again the it's the magic of PUBG but I don't think a system that's just based on kills is a good revive system in PUBG and I've seen that one floating out there a lot and I just don't agree with it I think it needs to be able to be accomplished by both spectrums of the playstyle completely strategic or completely aggressive and if they can find a system that works for both that's going to be amazing but i think it, it can't be too easy can't be too hard and again these are all these criteria i'm putting out there but i would hate to see something that is just based on killing i think that would be an unfortunate system to hit this game because then new players and more strategic players aren't going to have an opportunity to get involved in that And that's just going to further dwindle the player base. Like, I don't think anybody wants to play PUBG where it's just a bunch of people W-keying around all the time. Because to have fun being an aggressive player, you have to have challenge. And the challenge for an aggressive player is to kill a strategic player who's playing defense and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So if you remove one type of player, PUBG is no longer interesting. Yeah, if if no one ever camps in a bathroom anymore, you're never going to be worried about clearing this, this house that looks like it's not been looted. Correct. You're going to let your guard down being like, I would have been shot out already. No one plays no one plays bathrooms anymore, you know what I mean? Which, by and large, no one's really sitting in the bathroom anymore waiting. You know, that kind of meme is mostly dead. But there are still sneaky things where someone heard you coming and they just nestle into the corner and wait. And, like, that is valid and annoying and perfectly fair. <laughs> like Exactly. And if we get a wave of players back into the game or new to the game... We're going to start seeing that stuff again, because I, I look back at the beginning days of PUBG so fondly, and I remember like, oh, that bush looks awesome, man. I'm going to go sit in that bush, and then I'm not shooting at the guy running by. He's running by, and I'm letting him, man. Yo, shout out Jammy from Hot Drop, the bush king of PUBG. It's been an <laughs> ongoing meme since the game's launch, so Jammy, I hope you're doing well. Exactly. But I mean, Trigger, even you, you are a terrific rat. When you need to be. I, I mean it as a compliment, but like if, especially, you know, we, I watch you and J-Mac play all the time and J-Mac was making fun of you on a Paramo game recently where he dies and you decide to just make it your mission to just make all the teams in the area that helped knock and flush him pay. And you went super rat and you ended up killing like four people. So your ratting was effective and aggressive, but it was still like you were playing passive and playing weird and these players didn't know how to counter it you know and it's just a different thing you know you'll you'll lie down and wait for a while for a kill to happen perfectly for you you know yeah like i I mean i've played fps on pc for 20 years right so i i have the ability to play aggressive i have the ability to play slow and i prefer to engage at the mid-range and then out position my opponent and win the fight that way PUBG doesn't allow me to always have that happen. But (laughs) when my teammate dies, if it's, you know, past the mid game or if it was like, I'm going to make these guys pay, I look forward to playing outside of my comfort zone and playing like ultra passive or ultra strategic and see if I can outmaneuver the enemy or hide and have good trigger discipline and Because in the end of the game, right, and if you're a new player listening to this or you're just getting back into PUBG, I think everyone knows that at the end of a PUBG game, regardless of what happened earlier in the game, in the top 10, I think what allows people to win more games is being able to adjust on the fly. And whether that's adjusting to the enemy's playstyle or adjusting your playstyle based on what's given to you in the circle, 
And so I look forward to testing things that aren't necessarily in my wheelhouse and and playing different ways. Because when I get to do that, sometimes that is some of the most fun that I have playing the game. And other times it's a just horrible, horrible failure. Yeah. And it's something I can laugh at. You know? <laughs> and, so then I, and then I, I clip yeah. it and we all laugh. It's fine. <laughs> and it's immortalized. And you remind me a year later by linking it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, you, you remember when this happened? Did you forget? I didn't. You know. um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in CSGO, you said you used to be like the player who played the lurk, right? Um, you like to kind of flank through an unused site and come in the, from their back spawn or whatever. Uh, you liked those kind of plays and, you know, played a little bit of Valorant with you and then other people. And I always thought it was the most rewarding thing would be when you either had a really good lurk and got someone or you were able to get into a position that people don't check that corner very often. And like you watch like all three, like three players pass you and you don't shoot the first one. And then you wait and you just dink each one in the head real quick. And you're like, I just got a three piece because they forgot to check their corner. <laughs> like, let's go. You know? And yeah, but you don't normally play that way in PUBG with your whole squad up. But, you know, you lose a player and you change it. And that feeling of like, I'm going to play it slow and stealthy or, or try and have some discipline here so I can make sure I clean up the whole team. That's going to be probably happening a little more when people have a reason to fight for that. Like, I have my player's dog tag in my in my inventory or my player's dog tag is right over there. And if I can like get around sneakily and come in from a different angle that they're not watching anymore, I might be able to pick the guy right there, injure the other guy enough that he has to at least heal, and I can run and grab this tag and maybe even aggress on him or get away. There's a vehicle right nearby or whatever. Like The wheels start spinning instead of, this is hopeless, I'm dead, I might as well leave, that kind of thing, or I'm just going to run at them and die or whatever. Like There's a little more on the line with a good respawn system. Exactly, man. I mean, it, it, the respawn, I think because it's a new thing to the game, is going to be just so heavily critiqued, but heavily tested that, I mean, I think we surrounded it with all kinds of good ideas, but also what we want to see. And, and because of that, the best thing that's going to happen for the respawn is that whatever PUBG decides to do, we're all going to test it. Everyone's going to test it. Because of that, it's going to be, you know, in the first, they could, they could plan this thing out for months and months and months. But then in the first couple of days, they're going to get tens, if not hundreds of thousands of tests immediately and and see if it's really working or, or delivering the result that they want. If I had to look at a result as my final point, I, I'm wondering what the result they're going to look at as a success metric for the revive system. I think it's a pacing thing, right? How many people are alive at different stages of the game, right? And and the way that I would like to see it from my standpoint is that the number just kind of dwindles down. Whereas in the current situation on certain maps, you go from 100 players to 50 and the middle of the game is horrible. And and Vikendi is probably the most susceptible to this, at least in my mind, where, you know, and Sandhawk to some extent, where the beginning of the game is action-packed, the hot drops are spicy. And then all of a sudden, there's no players left, and you got to wait for 10 minutes before something happens. For me, the success metric of the revive system is going to be, does the action smooth out over the entire course of the game? And I think if they can accomplish that with whatever system it is, where, you know, I don't want to see it go from 50 players and then, oh, well, there's 89 again. No, if it, you know, if it goes from, you know, 90 down to 80 down to 70 and then back up to 79 or 82 and then dwindles and dwindles and dwindles, to me, that's going to be a successful revive system. So at the end of the day, that's what I'm looking for. And maybe maybe what I'm looking for isn't the best thing for the game in the long term. I don't know. 
but that's that's what I'm going to be measuring through through my site. Yeah, and another thing is, when was the last time you saw phase eight or phase nine, where it just literally centers up on the star and you have to fight from there uh, in a public match? Right. I mean, seriously, I don't think I've seen one uh, go a game go that late. I wouldn't even say I haven't seen a phase seven in a year and a half or something. Like it's been since the early days that I've seen really small, crazy small circles on any of these maps. I feel like it just doesn't happen that often because the only people left are like two, three full teams and one like rat, you know, if you want to call them that one, one kind of straggler, but it's like phase four or five and you just start running around the map, find the other team and get that fight over with and. Now you're the last full team alive and you just kind of steamroll the last couple people and it's over just like that. Yeah. And it happens a little more on duos, you know, like consistently I play like eight hours a week every week and have for a long time. And I would say once a month that that final closing circle happens in duos, but that's not very often. And I'm guessing to your point, like squads, it probably rarely happens anymore. Yeah, because teams kind of just throw the game because let's just start another one. If you have more teams vying and holding spots late game, I think that is some of the most exciting things you'll see in pro play is, yeah, you might be asleep until 17 minutes because I've noticed that from 17 minutes to 21 minutes in pro games nowadays, it goes from about 60 players down to about 30 players within just those like two, three minutes of uh, gameplay. And it's always around 17 minutes because that's when the second circle has shown itself and all the teams are now settling and now moving again to get to phase three circle. The late game, when it gets to phase uh, six, seven, eight, like that's when it starts to get really crazy to see who's got the position, who's going to get shifted, you know, Um, and it's almost almost always feels like it's going to phase nine, uh, at least phase eight in comp. And that's just such an interesting end game compared to just the, it doesn't feel uh like the stakes are very high when the blue has no chance of killing you at the late game because it's just a, still a huge circle yeah and i i think what you're saying there meshes well with what i'm saying because if the action is smoothed out you'll have people you know playing to the action over the course of the game and if they if I say if they mess it up and everyone's reviving in the final phases of the game that still won't occur right because <laughs> if you have too many people you're never going to get into phase eight and nine. So I, I think what you talked about and what I talked about are both achievable by the same system if done correctly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I agree with some people saying like it's got to be kind of disabled super late game, but we have no idea like if it's a POI you got to get to to do the revive and how long it'll take and all of those things. So maybe someone dropping in phase six isn't really going to be a big deal because they're, you know, your whole team's going to get annihilated because of how loud and long it is or something you know it's hard to say if that's going to even be a problem yeah but if it's poi based and they can come in like why not allow it right (laughs) because you're right there's less area to do and if it's a drop-in they were going to get murdered out of the sky or how cool would it be if once every you know 30 games you have a situation where you know there's a revive in play because the point of interest is in those final circles and that adds unique decisions to that game I mean, maybe I would experience that once and be like, ah, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, perhaps perhaps it could work. I don't know. As much as I dislike the Warzone system, I still remember vividly winning a game because of a really, really small late game circle where I called back in my buddy Bedford Boy. He lands, picks up a gun off the ground, and I'm like about to go down trying to like two or three V1 in this situation. 
and I get like two of them and then I get, I'm pretty sure I get knocked and he picks up this gun, it was laying on the ground and just instantly shoots this guy and gets the win for us. That's not even like possible the way it happened in Warzone. It wouldn't happen in PUBG because you'd have to like get the gun, get the ammo, load it, you know, all this stuff. By that time I'm dead and you're getting shot while you're just load, you know, loading a gun in the middle of the street. Like he's able to just pick one up and just go. Right. It was really interesting and fun. I don't think I would love that for PUBG, but it's still one of the most memorable things I did when I played Warzone for that one month that I liked it, you know. But, you know, that's big, like, wait and see. I think the map is probably going to be beautiful, hopefully just as iconic as Erangel has grown to be. So I think it's about time to move on. We're already at an hour and 20 minutes on this episode. (laughs) This could end up being a a two, three partner. Who knows? It's a compendium. It's fine. Make sure to come back in a few days for parts two and three of this podcast. We got a lot to talk about on the brand new map Kiki that was announced, as well as the Miramar remaster and more of our thoughts surrounding the 12.1 patch. We'll see you back soon.